Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 62. It's untitled until I can come up with something kind of clever. And my guest today is Jin Yu Fry. Jin is a women's mixed martial arts fighter fighting in the atom weight division for Invicta, and she has an upcoming title fight, which is really exciting. So if you're tuning into this episode because you are a fan of mixed martial arts or you are a fan of Jin in particular and you haven't listened before, thanks for listening. I appreciate you joining uh, joining us here on the podcast. Uh, I first started following Jin. It was either her first title fight or I think it was the fight right before that, the wild one with the weight cut issue. Um, but Invicta and uh, MMA fighting around that time had started doing some of those like fight journal type of videos that document someone through their weight cut and during uh, the media obligations and things like that during fight week. And I thought she had a really interesting story or her, her fight style was, was really exciting. And, um, I started following her at that time. And what I saw is one of the reasons why, or really the main reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast is that she's a fighter, but she's also really multifaceted. She was documenting how she was going to grad school for a while while fighting, while holding down a part-time job in the medical field. She loves to travel, which was a major reason to have her on the podcast, and, and I pick her brain on uh, her travel philosophy and some of her experiences and things like that. Um, she mentions that she loves reading, so I thought it was just really cool that... Um, she shows that a fighter isn't necessarily somebody that's a fighter 24-7 and kind of breaks from the, what I think you would traditionally think of when somebody says uh, a fighter or a combat sports athlete, like in your mind, you might get a vision of somebody who, who's like rough and gruff 24-7 and I think she kind of breaks that mold and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, also, like I've said this a million times at this point, but like who's who really who's luckier than me, you know I I get to have conversations with people that I'm inspired by that do really amazing things, uh, that are skilled, that make cool things, that are talented, and I'm just here with a microphone and I'm just you know uh, fortunate enough that I get to have these really awesome conversations. Uh, so this was another one of those. Uh, again, uh, I look up to to Jin. I want to point out that the podcast has been a pretty, pretty good, good luck charm for uh, folks in martial arts. If you will recall, Kira Batara won her next fight. Lynn Unava won her next fight. And Grace hasn't fought yet since the injury, but watch her win and watch Jin take the title. I don't know. Maybe I have something to do with it. Maybe I do. Anyway, you can support this podcast on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription-based service for folks who like to be patrons for the content they consume or the things that they like to watch and all that. So uh, you can do a dollar a month. You could do five. You could do $25,000 a month. Wouldn't be mad at that. If you can't do anything, hey, I appreciate you just the same. I love everyone that listens to this, and I'm just really glad that I get to do this. So um, if you can, though, it's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Better. All right, folks, I hope you enjoy this one with Jin Yu Fry.
Well, first of all, the mixed martial arts has has come a long way, right, from its inception until 2018. It's about as mainstream right now as a as a sport can be. Um, so it's kind of it's it's left behind a lot of the the stigma and the unfair labels that were attached to people who are fighters. Uh, I still think, though, uh, you know, in the collective conscious of a person, if you hear the word fighter, you start to build a character in your mind about what that person could be. Uh, yourself, you've been pretty candid about um, your d diverse interests and how multifaceted you are. Some of those things include traveling. Um, for a while, you were attending grad school while you were fighting. So I wanted to have you on for that reason, so that we can explore those sides of your personality that aren't just the fighter. So, uh, okay. yeah, thank you for doing this. Are those just aspects of your life, or is that also part of your branding? And the reason I ask that is because people like good fighters, but they also like stories. They like characters. They like authenticity. Um, one of the really cool things about your weigh-ins is that um, from time to time you will do like kind of like a cosplay character. Are these just different parts mm -hmm. of your personality or is this part of like branding who uh, Jinyu Fry is? Um, I, I honestly, I think it's part of my personality. Um, it's kind of turned into branding. You know, at, at first um, I kind of enjoyed, like Roxanne Modafferi was always like a big, my um, like cosplayer. And um, you know, I. I grew up playing like video games and that sort of thing. And so it, I mean, it was, it was fun for like to me and I was like, Hey, that's a great idea. You know, weigh in day is like really terrible. You know, you're cutting weight, you feel horrible. You know, there's the stress of making the weight. So, um, it kind of just, I was like, you know, that would be kind of fun. It would give me something to kind of look forward to, um, you know, on that day to make it a little bit more fun. Um, and you know, take some of the stress and some of the heaviness of the day off. Um, so it, it was just kind of a fun thing, and then, you know, people really liked it, and so, you know, I try every time to, you know, do a different one, um, just because I know other people kind of look forward to it, and, it, and it's fun for me, too, and it's fun, like, for our, like, media people, um, because, you know, the photographers, they do, you know, usually there's, like, 10 fights or something, nine fights, so they take pictures of 18 or 20 people, and it's like, you can only do the same pose with every, like, all the fighters, like, so many times, like, I'm sure the day just gets so monotonous to them, like, okay, stand there, put your fists up, okay, put your hands on your hips, now, you know, can we get a profile, you know what I mean, so yeah. it's, it's fun for them, too, like, they always look forward to my costumes, because, you know, they'll Photoshop a bunch of stuff, and, you know, just kind of make it fun. Yeah, Casey and Esther are probably the, the biggest names in the sport, in terms of uh, photo and video, and they always have really cool shots of that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in your timeline because I'm going to start at the beginning, but you do have a, a title fight coming up. Are you going to be dressing up for weigh-ins and things like that? I, I think so. Um, I have a costume that I think I would like to see if I can get together. Um, so I, I think I will. Okay, you, but you're keeping I've it got, a secret. I've got an idea growing. Okay, cool. Um, so, you know, this isn't an MMA podcast, like I said, so some folks are going to listen because they know who you are and they know your name, and some folks are going to listen because they are faithful listeners of the TV TV podcast. So I do want to kind of just uh, establish who you are. Um, so obviously, you're a mixed martial arts fighter, you are fighting for the Invicta title, but you got started into martial arts a bit later in life, is that true? Um, yeah, 
Um, I didn't actually start any kind of like combative sports training until like 20, 23 maybe. Mm-hmm. So, um, which actually isn't that uncommon, like for um, a lot of fighters, but it's like the newer generations that are coming up. A lot of these um, younger kids, I mean, I mean, like the kids programs have been blowing up. You're starting to see people fighting who have been wrestling since they were like four or five. They've been doing karate or taekwondo, or even some of them have been boxing since they were, you know, super, super young. So um, it's kind of the new generation, but that, that wasn't like that uncommon for a lot of the people in the sport now. Yeah, well, when, I mean, I know I look quite young. You and I are the same age. Um, when I was growing up, you know, I saw uh, Karate Kid, and I thought that I would be Ralph Macho one day when I grew up, so you never had a phase <laughs> where it was like uh, you wanted to be the next Karate Kid or something like that? Um, no, actually, not at all. And it's kind of funny, like, my, my father's Korean, and um, he was a black belt in Taekwondo, and my older brother did Taekwondo, and my mother did Taekwondo. Um, I was actually like the only person who it really didn't interest me. Like I didn't really get into that. Um, and so it just, you know, it wasn't until like a little bit later in life that um, it kind of piqued my interest. Yeah. You did an article for, uh, you did an interview for Half Korean and you had, you had pictures of dad on there looking shredded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, is that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> When you were growing up, did you, I mean, you mentioned that, yeah, you didn't have any aspirations necessarily at a young age to be a fighter. What did you think you would be doing when you were young? Um, All kinds of things. Like when I was really young, I think I first wanted to be a marine biologist. And then I kind of had a stage where I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then... um, I, I did art for a long time. I thought maybe I'd be a commercial artist. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> was, was there... I, I, uh, I didn't really um, take any of those paths. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't uh, become Karate Kid, obviously. So, um, <laughs> was there anything, before we get into into traveling and things like that, was there anything in early life that would have pushed you in a direction to want to see the world. Uh, I, like I can recall when I was young, you know, I read those illustrated classics, right? It was like Robinson Crusoe, but it was for kids and it had pictures in it. Um, and I loved Indiana Jones and things like that. Was there something that sparked your interest in, in getting out there and seeing things? Um, not, not really. I mean, there were always things like, you know, when I was a kid that I thought would be cool to see like the pyramids or something like that. But um, I grew up like extremely extremely poor Mm. and so we never we never went anywhere we never like I think when I was a kid I went on like I can remember one vacation that I went on and it was like with my grandparents and they had an RV and we like we drove to like New Mexico like the mountains kind of out there and um you know we spent a weekend or like three or four days and my grandpa like fished and um that's like the only vacation I ever went on as a child um so I guess maybe it never I never really thought about it and then once I had graduated college um uh, a guy that I was dating, uh, we ended up taking a trip and, um, he and I would like regularly go on trips. And then, you know, kind of once I got bit by the travel bug, um, you know, that was it. And Where, so, since I didn't see, there was so much I didn't see when I was younger. Um, you know, I was like, you know, now I'm, 
I have college degree. I have a stable job. Like I want to see everything now. Yeah, it, it's a little bit similar for me. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've read about your upbringing, which seemed like you had to persevere through a lot of stuff. Um, it, that wasn't quite the same for me, but we never had money to, to, to go out and see the, you know, to go traveling overseas or something. It wasn't, it just wasn't part of our reality. And so it, it's in a similar fashion, quite later in life, I've, I, I caught the bug and, and I caught it pretty hard. Where was that initial trip to that you were just mentioning? Um, you know, first one we may have gone to Hawaii and, um, you know, which is still in the continental U.S., but, um, you know, we went, I got my scuba diving certification and did mm. some scuba diving. And um, then actually um, the guy that I was dating at the time, he was kind of getting into surfing. And um, the next trip that we took after Hawaii was actually Fiji um, wow. to go surfing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was kind of a big jump <laughs> from Hawaii to Fiji, but, um, you know, after that. And then he ended up, like his mom did, uh, she did, like mission trips to Africa and she was always trying to get him to go. But instead of like him going, he's like, you know what? Then I'll go with you. And he kind of just like shoved me in there and went up to Kenya. Oh, um, okay. Great. So, you know, it was kind of making some big, big jumps there. Uh, but Did you get to go on safari and, and see the Maasai when you were in Kenya? Uh, yeah. Like our, our last two days we, we worked um, for like seven or eight days and then our last two days, we got to fly down, um, you know, to the Masai Mara, and we did, like, an evening safari and a, a morning safari. So yeah. um, that was, you know, probably one of the probably one of the top things that I've ever done, experiences in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm curious about, um, again, hitting on, like, the, like, how multifaceted you are in the sense that, um, I believe you still also work like a day job of sorts. Uh, you have these various interests. Do you ever want to turn off like, hey, I'm Jin the fighter? Um, is that ever part of, of wanting to go out and see the world? Like when, when you introduce yourself to people, is it, I am a mixed martial arts fighter? Yeah, you know, um, you know, camps are so just emotionally draining, like physically draining for one when you go through a camp for a fight and you have a fight, but it's also just so emotionally draining. And I usually try to schedule like a trip, like right after my fight. Cause A, I know that I don't have to make weight anytime soon. And you know, I have a little bit of time to take off. Um, but a lot of times it's kind of just to go unplug for a little bit. Like I'm always having so many like, media responsibilities, um, in conjunction with the fight. And a lot of times I'm like, I, I, I like social media doesn't come naturally to me. Like it, mm-hmm. If I didn't fight, like, I probably would hardly ever get on. Um, like, it's not something that's a part of me that I just want to get on every day and post about what I'm doing or what I'm eating or, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, I usually try to schedule a trip for, like, right after I fight. And I usually want to go somewhere kind of rural, like, to the mountains and kind of unplug and um, get away from everything. Yeah, uh, there's a few things I want to unpack from that. I was going to ask you if you have a certain philosophy around... Travel, uh, maybe it's a pretentious thing to say, but I like to kind of say that there's a difference between a vacation and traveling, whereas, uh, in my opinion, at least traveling is an immersive experience where you're going and you're experiencing a place and the way that people live. Uh, And it seems, at least from your social media persona, that you do something quite similar. Is that kind of what you're trying to do when you travel? 
So, of course, like everywhere we go, there's always going to be things that we want to see that are like kind of touristy. But for the most part, we try to get, you know, off the beaten path. We try to meet, um, you know, we always almost always stay in like hostels and we try to meet, you know, other people that are independently traveling and try to meet people who are local. We try to, you know, check out the little dives and the little um, hole in the wall, you know, restaurants and bars just to you know, people watch and get an idea of, you know, what the locals are like. Yeah. So um, I want to get into some specific places in a little bit, but recently, and maybe just the time frame is off because again, it's social media, but recently you posted pictures from a trip um, where it looks like you went to Egypt and you went to Petra. And then like a couple days later, you're posting a picture of your abs and you're completely shredded. Like, are there, I know you said you tried to be strategic about when you uh, book your travel, but are there things you're doing when you are traveling? Like, are you still trying to watch your diet? Are you working out while you travel? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't like go crazy. Um, like I'll, I'll try to adhere to a diet or I wouldn't say it to a diet. Like I try to eat pretty consciously, but mm. you know, I'm on vacation. So, you know, if I want a second or a third beer, I'll have one. Or if I want a glass of wine or if I want dessert, you know, I'll go ahead. But, um, most of our trips are pretty, um, pretty challenging. I would say like, usually we're doing active things. Um, you know, I think we went to Egypt and we went to Jordan and I mean, like, every day we're still hiking and trekking like eight to 10 miles, you know, out there going. Um, The trip before that, uh, we did the Tour du Mont Blanc in um, Switzerland, France and Italy. And so we trekked like, you know, we we didn't get to finish the whole thing because we got rained out, but, you know, we trekked like 80 something miles through the house um, carrying like 25 pound packs. So, you know, it kind of was a workout. I mean, it was a really enjoyable workout, um, but you know, we were still burning quite a bit of calories. Sure. All right. So I'm curious about some of these experiences. I did, um, I was passing through Cairo. So I did a day pretty much where I tried to pack in as much Mm -hmm. as I possibly could. Um, but that's one of the places that you mentioned, um, when you were younger is kind of like maybe a bucket list item or a place you wanted to go. Uh, what were your experiences like in, in, in Cairo? Okay. So, um, obviously, you know, the Great Pyramids are incredible. Seeing the Sphinx is incredible. Um, we did the Cairo Museum where, um, the, you know, they have a, like everything there is, you know, pretty awesome. They, you know, they've excavated so many, um, so many ama- amazing things, but they have a room um, where they have, you know, excavated and um, brought in like all of the treasures from King Tut's tomb. And it's just, incredible like magnificent um like the workmanship he had like three you know pure gold sarcophagi and like all these royal jewels and weapons and it's just like the workmanship the craftsmanship is just amazing um so those things were awesome like as a whole Cairo um was kind of a letdown like it was just it was too loud it was too polluted it was congested um it was dirty it was, you know, I've been to a lot of third world places and by far, I think Cairo was probably the most disgusting place I've ever been. Just piles and piles of trash everywhere. People just throwing their trash on the ground. It, it just, it, and like I understand that the poverty rate 
is like 40% or something there. And so, I mean, life is hard for the majority of people, but it just kind of makes me sad to see those things. Like we're going to all these amazing um, sites that, you know, it would be great if they could preserve so that everybody would have a chance, you know, maybe in their lives to go see, but there's like, there's litter everywhere. There's trash. People are defacing things. They're like carving their names into stuff. There's broken bottles all over like ancient temples. And it's like, you know, a lot of people don't really care. And so that kind of makes me sad. You know, it's really interesting that you say that. And I'm, I'm glad you're kind of being candid about that experience. I did not like Cairo. Um, some things were strange to me, uh, just like kind of superficially, but right next to the pyramids, there's a, a golf course, um, which obviously like you don't, you, you kind of have to go through it when you go through the security check. Obviously you don't see that in like cool travel photos. Um, but yeah, and it, wherever you go in the world, people are going to try to make money and people are going to try to rip off tourists. But I was, there were so many people trying to rip me off there that even in the airport, when I put my baggage through the, you know, the x-ray security clearance thing. The guy was trying to get money from me. <laughs> he was holding out, holding out his hand, like <laughs> expecting me to pay him. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, but I, I, yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of understand that experience. I'm also really curious about hearing about Petra in, in a very cheesy sense. Um, it was Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that image is in my head since I was uh, quite young. Um, and that's a place I'm going to be hitting this year. So uh, I'm curious about that. Um, you know, honestly, that was probably one of the highlights of the trip. Um, some of the tombs that we saw in the Valley of the Kings were just um, beyond what I could have imagined. But Petra was just, Petra was just breathtaking. And we actually, like, I think the, the park opens at maybe 6 a.m. And so I was like, we're going to be there, like, right when the door opens. And um, the monastery, which is, like, the larger um, structure, is in the very, very back. And you have to go up, like, 900 or something to get there. And so it's a lot less crowded back there. And we were there at, like, 6 a.m. And we just start hoofing it. I'm like, we're going to go to the monastery first. And so by the time we get there... And I want to say it's maybe like five or six kilometers back and then up the 900 stairs or steps or whatever. Um, And so there were only like two people there whenever we got there. So like it was quiet that we had the entire thing to ourselves. Like, you know, we had these pictures and there's nobody in the picture because there was like nobody back there. And then like um, all along the way, you have like local Bedouins. They have their little stores set up and, you know, of course they're trying to call to you and they're trying to get you to buy stuff. And um, it was so early, though, that they're not really open. And so we actually sat down with a couple of ladies and had some tea and just kind of chatted without them, you know, trying to sell us a bunch of stuff. And um, so it, it was a nice experience, you know, and those are those are the kinds of experiences that, you know, really make traveling worth it. And that's, you know, it's it's a country that is not at war, but it's in a region that I think if, you know, folks are, are following the news, they're thinking, oh, that's a that's a dangerous place, right? Like um, maybe I'd be unsafe. It's war torn. All that 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 stuff that they might have a perception of that might be incorrect. Um, did you feel that way at all, or were you like, no, this is just a beautiful place, and I'm enjoying myself? No, I mean it was, and like to be honest, I was a little bit that way too. I was like, ah, oh, you know, do I want to go to Jordan? It's like kind of right in the Middle East, just mm-hmm. right next to Israel, uh, you know. And even like driving out to Petra. We, you drive along the Dead Sea and um, 
I mean, just a stone's throw away is Israel. And, and actually our driver was like, that's Palestine. Like they all still refer to it as Palestine. Mm. Like they don't, yeah. um, not everybody recognizes it as Israel. Um, and he was just like, yeah, you can't go over there, like through the water though. Cause you know, there's, there's all these checkpoints, like they'll shoot you. And, um, oh. but you know, other, other than that, um, you know, we felt completely safe. We didn't have any issues. Um, you know, we went to like a local restaurant in downtown and, um, it was just like little plastic tables set up. It was, um, a little bit sketch looking, but <laughs> it, by far the best meal of the trip. Um, it was so amazing. And it was like four dinars for the two of us to eat. Whoa. Like it was incredibly cheap, but it was like by far the best meal of the trip. So, um, you know, like, again, that's like one of the cool experiences. You find this like oh, for sure. little yeah. hole in the wall. It's like down an alley with like plastic set up tables and it's all, you know, local people. I was like, God, I don't, I don't even know how we're going to order. I don't know if anybody speaks English, but uh, it was fun. It turned out good. Do you ever get recognized? Um, I, I haven't like overseas. Um, the only time that anybody's like, sort of recognized me like I was going I was setting up a trip in Ecuador and um I was talking to a guy because we were gonna we attempted to summit Cotopaxi in Ecuador and I guess the guy that I was talking to um at the very end of our you know um dialogues he was like hey by the way um I'm a big fan I've seen your videos like just randomly the guy that I was like emailing back and forth with this company in Ecuador knew who I was I think really that's probably the only time that I've been like recognized okay um have you ever trained overseas um yeah when we were in um so we went to Ecuador and we also flew out to the Galapagos Islands and there's one jiu-jitsu school in the Galapagos Islands no way like we have to and then um that's awesome last year when we went to Iceland um, we trained at the gym, the big gym Mjolnir up there. And then actually that summer before I fought again, I went up there and spent like two weeks of my fight camp, um, at Mjolnir in Reykjavik. Wow. That's awesome. In the Galapagos too. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just like randomly. So there's one jujitsu school and I've been there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, folks are always asking you about your Korean heritage. I see that in a lot of interviews and in videos and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I I mentioned an article that you had done an interview for, and you had told them at the time, well, I haven't been back to Korea since I was just uh, quite young, and I don't really remember it because I was too young. Um, since that point, uh, your most recent fight, I know it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, uh, but that was in South South Korea. Uh, were you able to have any time after the fight to explore it all, or did you come back home quick? So um, we actually flew out, like, I think we got there on Monday, and the fight was on Saturday. So we had all week to kind of um, explore. I mean, it wasn't near as fun because, you know, I was on a strict diet, and, like, I couldn't eat all the street food. Mm. And, like, my husband's just, like, eating all the street meats and, like, all the Korean barbecue. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was trying to, you know, be a big girl and like put on a happy face, but I I mean, I still got to go and see a lot of stuff. And, um, then we stayed like an additional, uh, two or three days, I think after the fight, just a little exploring and to, uh, you know, so I could eat some street food. And, uh, so it was, it was a fun experience. We didn't really get to, we didn't leave Seoul. Um, plus it was like the dead of winter, but, um, 
it was still, you know, fun exploring the city. My body doesn't survive the first couple of days of those long flights. I've done a few of those, like 15-hour flights. I've, I flew into Korea um, as a as a stopping point for uh, where for Vietnam, um, and it always takes me like a few days. Like I'm not digesting right. It, it, it's rough. Does that have any sort of an impact on um, those those last few days of, of media and things like that, or on the flight itself? Um, th- I mean, it's it's definitely like they had me do like some interviews like, as soon as I got in, like literally in the airport. In the airport, yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I just got off a fifteen-hour flight, and I didn't like I didn't sleep on it at all. So mm. I was just like, I'm I don't really know what's going on right now. I'm not the sharpest tack right now um so they had me do that interview and then they I I guess like reality shows are like a huge thing in Korea and the promotion was really pushing for me to be on a reality show like as soon as I got in um and it's like a taxi show where they just like drill you with questions um as soon as you get in from the airport you're in a taxi and they just like drill you with questions until you get to your destination which was was going to be horrible because it was almost an hour you know, taxi ride. Yeah. Um, so they, I think I'd, like that didn't happen because I was like, these people are going to think I'm so retarded. Like I cannot imagine just being <laughs> drilled with questions after landing. Um, you know, cause we flew direct from DFW. Mm. Um, wow. so I was like, Oh God, what a nightmare. Thank God they didn't do that. It, it was just a short like video interview that they did, but okay. that was bad enough. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you, you've mentioned some amazing places. What is next in terms of travel. So let's say title fight wraps up. There's not an obligation to fight for a couple months. You have a place to go. Uh, where do you really want to go that you haven't gone? Um, I'm not, I'm not too sure yet. Like now that I don't work full time, you know, before, you know, I had plenty of money cause I worked full time. And so then we would just kind of go wherever we wanted. Now the way I do it is I I kind of just wait for travel deals. Hmm. Um, and so like I have a good idea of places I'd like to go and I just kind of wait. And um, when I see like a deal that I just can't pass up, you know, I'll go ahead and pull the trigger. Um, I, I really want to see Patagonia. Um, I really want to do Nepal and Mongolia. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have all these places still that I want to see, but I'm kind of just waiting to see, you know, what shows up in my email. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, Nepal and Bhutan are on my list. They look beautiful. Yeah, I, I think those are going to have to wait because my dog, she's like 14 now. And okay. <laughs> like if you go, like the, there's a trek that I want to do in Nepal and it takes like three weeks and you, know, you need some time to acclimate. And so it's like, I feel like I would need probably a good month there. And I just don't feel comfortable leaving her for a whole month, um, you know, being boarded at her bed. So yeah. not what that would cost, but <laughs> so, so that one may have to wait a bit. Okay. I want to talk about some fight stuff before I let you go, um, for folks that are tuning in, uh, to hear about what's coming up. I do want to preface this and say that you are the fourth, uh, fighter that I've had on the podcast. Um, actually I think you're uh-huh. strangely, you're the third Adam weight. Um, but of those people, so, so one's a Muay Thai fighter who um, is fighting out of Phuket, I think. And after she did the podcast, her very next fight, she won. 
I had Kira Batara on the podcast. Right after that, she fought and won. Uh, the other fighter is Grace Cleveland, who was, is, was injured, so she hasn't fought yet. So not to brag, but I'm just saying. I, I like the way it's- I like where this is headed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's there's some kind of positive mojo from this, um, and you are going to uh, get that title in, when is it, June or July? Uh, July. Okay. Um, so this is your your second stab at the title. Obviously, the first didn't go your way. You got a pretty gnarly cut. You still wanted to go, um, and it's unfortunate that it ended that way. Uh, let's say, no, when you go and win the title, um, I've heard you give a, a time frame before. Uh, how much longer do you want to continue to fight? Um, you know, I, I don't really know, and I don't have like a set um, time frame in my mind. Um, like my whole career has just kind of I just on with it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't plan on going pro. I didn't, you know, I was only going to fight until I got into grad school. I was only going to fight until I graduated grad school. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of just taken on a life of its own. And I kind of feel like, you know, that they supposedly the USC is about to add the Adam weight division at some point, you know, maybe later in the year. But I kind of just feel like as long as, um, as long as it doesn't feel like work, you know what I mean? I can keep doing it as long as my body can keep up with the training and recuperate. Um, but I'd, I would like to get out before I have any like major injuries. I don't want to, you know, mess up my knees or my back or anything like that because, you know, I still have like mountains to climb and stuff to go right. see and do. Um, so I'd like to be able to, you know, still have all of my facilities available to me to travel and, you know, explore when I'm done fighting. Yeah. I, I know you, you've said before, that the the transition to the UFC wasn't necessarily a priority. You know, as you mentioned, different weight class, straw weight's the the lowest weight in the women's division. Um, but I'm just saying, they're hungry for you know personalities right now. Um, there's another fighter. Uh, I'm not trying to set anything up here, but another fighter that has awesome outfits at weigh-ins, Angela Hill. I think that would be <laughs> totally sweet if we had like two Mortal Kombat fighters uh, facing off at weigh-ins or something like that. Um, but has anything like that ever been mentioned to you? Not the, not the dressing up, but the, um, I think WME is still the parent company for Invicta. Is there ever a mention of that? Like, you know, get the title, retain it once or twice, and then we'll consider bringing you over? Um, my, my husband has, um, he, uh, okay. So the new, the newest matchmaker is Nick Maynard and he ran a pretty large promotion, um, previously legacy, which is now, um, legacy, wait, they merged with like RFA or something anyways. Um, so after he was done running legacy, he, you know, moved up to the USD and my husband's had discussions with him. Um, and you know, they talked about me moving up possibly, um, and that they could possibly be interested, but I feel like I'm, I'm so close to a world title at 105. I've already worked myself, you know, up to the ranks. I'm so close now. Like, why would I bail on all that now? And, you know, I've seen a lot of rumors starting to come out that, you know, like I said, the UFC may be adding the Adam White division by the end of this year. So I don't know. We'll see. 
you just fought. Oh, and I will I will say that yeah. um, the time that I dressed up as Chun Li, Roxanne Montefiore actually did Katana from Mortal Kombat. So oh, we had a little face off, and it was Chun Li versus Katana. <laughs> awesome. Um, the the organization that you fought for in South Korea was not Invicta. Do you still have a clause where you can fight for other organizations? So um, Invicta's contract is pretty open. Um, and as long as they're not using you and you're not fighting for a competing promotion, um, you can ask them. Um, you have to have their permission, but they'll allow you to go fight outside their promotion. And so, uh, like, I don't know if I become the champion, how that works. You know, obviously, I doubt they would want, you know, the champion fighting for other promotions. So, you know, that door may be closed to me if I win the title. I'm not sure yet. Like, we haven't, you know, I really haven't had those discussions yet with Shannon or Caitlin. So. Okay. The reason I ask is, is um, by the time folks hear this, this fight will already have happened, but tomorrow night there's a fighter out of Singapore who has quite a big marketing machine behind her, who I believe is also an Adam White, Angela Lee. Um, and I think that, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're marketable yourself. We've, we've been talking about this now for the duration of the episode, but um, that would be uh, a pretty exciting cross-promotional fight if something like that could happen. I know I don't know if, if one even does that, but um, that would be uh, that would be pretty exciting for you. Yeah, you know, one one has a great platform. Um, now, she their weight classes are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, so they their atom weight is actually one fifteen. Oh, and okay. um, she's actually talked about having a difficult time making 115 and maybe moving up to 125. Okay. Um, so we're a little bit, you know, we're almost a class apart. And I, I don't know if it's true or not. I know I've read um, from a lot of like people saying that she's um, had trouble making 115. Like in the past, you know, she needed multiple attempts, even even though they're not supposed to be cutting weight. Um, I guess they let her cut a little bit of weight or whatever. I don't know. I you know I'm I'm not in the situation. I don't know. Um, but I think she herself has said that she's um, thinking about moving up to 125. Okay. I had written down something to ask you that I forgot to ask. Um, you're an Onnit fighter. I think most people uh, who are fight fans know who Onnit is. Uh, I've also seen mm-hmm. you um, with like training pictures from the Onnit headquarters. They do a lot of promotion of obviously um, physical well-being. Um, but they also talk about mental well-being. Um, obviously, Aubrey Marcus just put out a book about uh, all different mm-hmm. ways in which you can live like a really enriched and purposeful and, and happy life. I'm curious if you have any sort of like mindfulness practices or things like that, or any ways in which, aside from traveling, you try to um, live like a, a healthy and balanced life. Um, something that. I've wanted to start working on like starting to, I want to start, you know, kind of incorporating like meditating, um, maybe that sort of thing, but I'm a pretty avid reader. And, um, for me, that's kind of like, that's a little bit of an escape for me. Like I usually read, you know, mostly fiction, just, you know, kind of close off everything that's going on around me and just dive into a book and just some, you know, fantastical world or, mm. you know, crazy stuff happening. And, um, I feel like that's kind of how I let my mind rest. Okay, great. And other than the fight coming up before I get you out of here, is there anything that you want to plug, anything that people should check out, social media and all that stuff? 
Um, so I'm on Instagram, Genu Fry, um, and I'm on Twitter um, at LittleRoo12. And uh, also I also have a Facebook athlete page. So um, all of these avenues, you can kind of follow um, the behind the scenes of my fight camps and uh, fight news going on. Um, so yeah. Are there going to be any like of those fight journal type of things? Invicta does a good job with those. Yeah, um, I was talking to one of the girls. Um, I went out to the last event um, where they announced my fight, and she was saying that um, they were interested in doing, um, I guess, I think it's called Out of the Ashes or Into the Ash, Out of the Ashes. It's the new thing that they just started. And um, they were wanting to do, you know, an episode um, on me for that. Okay. Hopefully before the fight or maybe kind of right at the tail end of fight camp. So. Okay, Awesome. So, folks, check the show notes for the episode. It will have links to all of the things that Jin just mentioned. Um, thank you so much. I, I say this all the time, but uh, I'm just really lucky that I get to sit here and talk to people from all sorts of backgrounds and cultures and interests and, and skill sets and things like that. And I just sit here with a mic. So uh, it's really uh, been an honor to have you. All right. That's it, folks. That is episode number 62. That was Jin Yu Fry. Check out the show notes for this episode and you will find the links to Jin's social media and her website and information about her fight for Invicta. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened. Check out the Patreon if you can. That would be really awesome. And as always, everybody, take care of each other. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.